Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show, home of the Suspendables. And today we have one of those Suspendables to talk with, uh, fresh from an exciting trip to the Death Star, also known as the J. Edgar Hoover Building. Uh, I'm going to be bringing on our buddy Steve Friend because he's got a very important debrief. He was being interrogated yesterday, which means that we have to debrief it today. Uh, but before we do that, I want to just kind of give you a little heads up. We're going to be talking through all the, the shenanigans that you might see in an FBI interview. And uh, I think it's worth noting that when you're dealing with an organization that has no regard for their personnel on the inside and they're not willing to take care of their own people, you should have very little expectations that they're going to take care of you as the American people. There is not a lot of hope that the FBI is going to treat you fairly. Uh, and I say that knowing that the security division from the FBI apparently listens to my show. So thanks, guys. Don't forget to give us a five-star review. We really need those things since you stopped paying me nine months ago. It'd be really fantastic. We'll just keep getting those up. Uh, if you leave a one-star review, I'm going to have to call my friends who do cyber and have them look for your IP so we can scrub you from the internet. Uh, Phil, today, uh, yesterday, actually, I got an email back from the Office of the Inspector General at DOJ, not to be confused with the Office of the Inspector General at the FBI, both of which don't do anything as far as I can tell. And they forwarded on to OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility, so that they could put more acronyms into my email and let me know the following nonsense. Are you ready for some nonsense, Phil? Let's hear it. Okay, it doesn't get weirder than this. They said... Um, we're not exactly sure what Seraphin would like us to do because we're only allowed to investigate the retaliations against whistleblowers, but we cannot investigate who the retaliators were or what the retaliations were. And so do you want us to investigate the thing that we're not allowed to investigate in case that's the allegation that needs to be investigated? And my attorney, who is a very smart guy and a, a good person, wrote to me and said, what incarnation is this lady saying? And I found that I actually speak some lawyer, but I don't speak DC lawyer, which is to say government people that couldn't get a job somewhere else. And so we found ourselves in the un uncomfortable sort of predicament where you have to say, hey, government lady, what is it that you are trying to say? And could you do it in English that people from Mississippi could understand? Because that's uh, what my good old boy lawyer told me. And uh, her response was, unintelligible. So we're going to just try to have them do whatever it is they do that they don't do that they will do on our behalf. And uh, and I expect the results will be predictable. DOJ clears DOJ slash FBI of all charges. What do you think? Well, at least they just didn't disappoint. I mean, didn't you have a similar experience with EEO? I mean, these sounds like you're dealing with the, the exact same lady. Uh, well, so that's fun because yes, I did have the same experience with D with EEO, but I also had the same experience with this same lady <laughs> like earlier last year because she wrote, are you uh, covered by uh, some kind of representation? And it's like, yeah, the same as the last time you emailed me in uh, April when you stepped on my complaint and, uh, and then opened an investigation into me and took my paycheck. So that's fun. What's really interesting is I do think the Kyle Serafin show is having an impact on current FBI agents. So uh, folks, your reviews, your watches, your downloads, your shares, your likes, those all matter. And moreover, uh, my friends are starting to, to reach out to me and go, hey, man, can you explain to me why exactly you were suspended again? Because uh, I don't get it. 
And uh, if they don't get it, neither will you. But uh, that doesn't mean that they're not opening their eyes to the fact that this agency has zero love for them. And Phil, you had a really interesting comment on who it is that are doing these investigations, because we're about to talk. We're going to bring Steve on here in a second, and he's going to tell us. But I I want people to get a real good idea of what kind of person investigates other FBI agents out of the Hoover building. Well, you know, I found this a little peculiar listening to Joe Rogan and uh, Mike Glover there where you got your shout out today. Uh, They seemed confused. Like, how could this happen? Like, how could this war hero suddenly be labeled a domestic terrorist? And it's because people who choose to go down to the Death Star every day and put on a suit uh, aren't like you and me. They're weenies. These are people who were the first ones pegged out in dodgeball growing up, and they are looking to exact their revenge. And this is the way they do it. They didn't sign up to protect their fellow Americans from force and fraud. They signed up so that they could have a tiny shiny badge and maybe carry a gun and possibly get some undeserved respect from their neighbors that they haven't ever gotten before in life. It wasn't to like actually catch bad guys. It's basically to jam up the men who would otherwise be catching bad guys if they weren't jammed up. This is exactly my, uh, my expression in the tiniest way I can say it, federal law enforcement cosplay. The thing is this, it's not everybody in the FBI. Nobody should think that. There are plenty of decent human beings that we know. We're friends with them. We still talk to them. Um, And I think they do decent things. But as a whole, the organization is so corrupted that it allows the kid who got picked last at dodgeball to write the policy for the guy that can bench, you know, 355. And that's gross. Um, I'm going to transition this thing over here. I think you've got me as the main screen here. Let me uh, blow some minds real quick because- I've, I have been reaching out to Mike Lover. I'm just pulling this on the fly for Phil. He's not prepared for this. You, Phil, give me a thumbs up if you guys can actually hear this. But this came off today's Joe Rogan. Yeah. I, so I will say this. When I thought I was being suppressed and then people were like, yeah, but, you know, it's just your analytics suck or whatever. I was like, yeah, it's probably it. You know, I was being optimistic about that. Well, when Kyle... Serafin, the have you heard that name? He's the FBI agent who leaked the documents of militant, violent extremists, MVEs, that were determined by the FBI of being people and groups of interest. Um, I knew it was a reality. This just recently happened. This is probably six months ago. All right. So um, I just think that's kind of fun. He told me he was going to uh, drop like a, a name drop on Rogan. He did it a couple of times. Um, folks, it's it's in uh, my profile on Twitter. If you guys want to go watch that little 15 minute clip, or if you want to watch the whole thing, you should do that too. Obviously, Joe Rogan is the king of the podcast world. Kind of cool to be mentioned in that sort of setting. Um, while we're talking about things that are cool, let's talk about something that is the opposite of that too. Let's bring on my buddy, Steve Friend, aka the real Steve Friend, and let's do a debrief about your most recent trip to Washington. Speaking of domestic terrorists, are you on the watch list based on your flying? I got to say, I don't know if I was uh, freaking out a little bit going there and coming back, but I did happen to notice that there was a gentleman on my flight from Reagan to Charlotte and also on the flight from Charlotte to Daytona, he had a paper ticket, unlike everybody who's got the cell phone going, and um, was uh, very purposefully making himself the last one to board the aircraft in both situations. I want to make sure you get on there. So as folks who have been uh, involved in surveillance will know, 
when you think you are the target of surveillance, there's probably a decent chance you're seeing what we call ghosts, which is to say you look out there, you see something that's not real because we're hyper alert. Um, but you're in a world where that's a possibility, I think, right? Like, I think we could accept that's realistic. I don't know. I mean, they maybe move my bag into uh, to check baggage as opposed to to carry on, which I was like, well, that's just setting up uh, choke points for me. <laughs> This is not a good world to live in. So I've had five people ask me in the last couple of days, including on this uh, Twitter space I was just on today, you know, are you afraid for your physical safety? And the answer is always like, maybe, but I can't dwell on it because otherwise I couldn't function. I would just be running around doing perimeter checks where I am. And uh, SACD, as you guys probably know, SACD is the security division for the FBI. For those of you who are not familiar with internal FBI lingo, you know, if they want to uh, reach out to me, they have my number, even though they ghosted me and didn't respond to my last email. So... My phone number hasn't changed since I was at the FBI. You guys can always call me and we can work out something, I'm sure. Um, you can also Zoom me. I would prefer that because I don't really care to see you. And uh, yes, will I record it? Mm -hmm, I will. Now that's what I'll do. And then I'll broadcast it for everybody because America pays for your salaries. So uh, speaking of salaries, you're not getting paid one, but they flew you up there anyway. Did they pay you for your time? Uh, I uh, I alerted the uh, timekeeper at my office and, and sent an email saying, hey, I attended a compelled interview and traveled. How is this going to be documented and, and didn't receive a uh, response back? Yeah. But I, was, think the I, I was told that they would pay me for my time, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. No, but we're still going to uh, mark it on the list of grievances. Uh, what is the timekeeper code for compelled interrogation by midwit? I, I think that it'll take the same length of time that it took me to find the AWOL code that they mandated that I put onto my own time card, which seems to me like they encouraged me to commit time card fraud, which I think yes. is a felony, but... I think it is too. I think it's a 1001 violation. So that's good. For those of you who don't know what a 1001 is, that is 18 USC 1001 false statements to the government or falsification of a government form. So that's really helpful. Uh, let's go through a debrief here because I want people to know what you went through because I was getting, I was very excited that you were not thrown into a black bag. And I have so little faith in our government apparatus at this point that uh, at any moment, any of us think that's a possibility. So that's pretty gross. You uh, you started off, and uh, I've got a list of 16 plus a bonus piece that you uh, rage tweeted me earlier today or rage texted me. Let's start with, um, they wanted you to explain your complaint, and they couldn't figure out what it was about. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I No lie, no hyperbole. I think I probably went through it six, seven times and tried to explain to them why I felt that the the way that the FBI is handling January 6 investigations is a violation of the rules that we set out for ourselves in the Diog, and that could constitute a due process violation because even if a judge is signing off on our warrants and saying, yes, this has reached the probable cause threshold to make this arrest, we are providing the information that we've obtained improperly. So the judge is kind of in the dark. Like if I say, yep, Kyle, he murdered his, murdered his next door neighbor and uh, here's the knife. The judge is going to say, go forth and arrest. And I just didn't happen to tell him that I booted down your door and got the knife from underneath your mattress without a search warrant. So, right. Okay. And, and I want to do clarity so you can say it for the eighth time. Will you very clearly state to people what your whistleblower complaint is and why that is a, your protected disclosure, which we, the route is how you do a protected disclosure. You went to Congress. You obviously went to your, your chain of command um, or your chain of management, which I like to say, because there's no commanders in the, there's not a single person that is worthy of command, but um, 
lay it out for us kind of step-by-step what you said and you know how that falls under the protected category of whistleblower, which people will have to realize is very specific. Yes. So January 6th happens on January 6th, 2021 is an incident that happened in Washington, D.C. Uh, it would stand a reason that that should be one case that's opened up in Washington, D.C. with a whole bunch of subfiles or anybody that they want to investigate. Instead, the FBI elected to open up a separate case for every individual, which is unusual but allowable. Uh, and I'm referring to Appendix J of the Domestic Investigation Operations Guide, mm-hmm. uh, which I very specifically cited in my whistleblower complaint right. uh, and was news as a sec D. They, they didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, they uh, then made the decision to assign the cases to the field as opposed to operating them from uh, WFO, from Washington Field Office. Again, very unusual, but allowable, according to Appendix J. Uh, however, where they had a tremendous... Um, departure from the rules, the task force in WFO was continuing to essentially run the cases, even though they were assigned, at least in my experience, to my office where Jacksonville was the field office. So we were the office of origin. The people on my JTTF, Joint Terrorism Task Force, were the case agents, uh, but we were still answering to uh, agents and task force personnel in Washington, D.C., which is not allowed. Right. Now, as people who are listening and are probably familiar with Steve, but if you're new to our show, then uh, also good. You'll notice that Steve is a very precise speaker. That's because his mind is pretty pretty capable and the people that he spoke with were not that. Can you describe sort of the demeanor and the uh, the ability to communicate in common English that you faced on the <laughs> other side of the table at the Hoover building? So I had three individuals. Uh, the uh, I, I, I gathered that it was the case agent for me uh, who was sort of Communicating with me from SecD the most, uh, Wiley Taylor. I don't know if he had a hearing impairment or if maybe English was his second language, but it was tremendously difficult to say the exact same thing, same thing that I told you just a moment ago. You just I had did to it. You were doing it. <laughs> you were just doing an impression. Shame on you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, as far as giving him. Uh, specific names of people or information. He kept saying things back to me that were not even close to what I was saying. It wasn't like rhymes with, I mean, just he couldn't understand. I I spelled at one point, I spelled a person's name and uh, he insisted that uh, that I had letters to it that I didn't. Um, And uh, I just think that maybe if if English was a second language and he was processing it in his his home tongue, that could have been uh, obviously, you know, some sort of problem uh, or he might've just not been able to hear. And it got to the point where the other two people were correcting him in the middle of the interview where he just wasn't able to track. And and lest people think that you are not a sympathetic and a, a nice human being, you actually are married to someone who has English as a second language. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Just a little little uh, tie in there. Um, you had a a sort of uh, fringe connection to the Gretchen Whitmer case. You were involved in uh, executing search warrants uh, with the SWAT team that you had when you were in your office of origin they believed that meant that you had somehow read the case files. You want to tell people what the difference between reading the case files is? I assume that they can just use this whole video instead of the interview they did with you, which was a waste. I would have done this for them, save the taxpayers the uh, the flight and two nights hotel. So tell them the, Witcher, the Whitmer, um, the difference between a case file and an ops plan. Uh, well, the case file is what the case agent builds in order to bring a prosecution forth. It's everything from evidence to uh, interviews, documentation, and the whole thing that you, you have, you know, if you watched a detective show or movie, they always got that file with them, right? That's the mm-hmm. thing they plop on the desk and say, I've got you. 
Uh, I came in at the very end with a SWAT team where we were given a ops plan uh, to execute an arrest uh, for that case. And that is not the case file. It has the case number on it. It has a person's name on it who's the bad guy for us to go arrest. And, and really, other than that, it just kind of details what our responsibilities are going to be for the SWAT operation. But they were adamant that I had accessed the case file. And I said, no, that's an ops plan. It's different. And they said, well, the fact that it had a case number on it and it had a subject and it had a location, that meant that I had seen the case file. And uh, we're sort right. of implying and wanting me to agree that I had done that, which would be very inappropriate since it was not uh, proper for me to, to look at that. That's not my case, not my division, um, and uh, would have been a big faux pas. Yeah. So uh, so your ops plan generally has like pictures of the building that are the structure you're going to go, or if it's a vehicle that you're going to run down, it's going to give you the sides of responsibility, the, the color-coded, or they do it by alphanumerics. It's going to give you the, the ingress and the egress routes, where the CCP is, the casualty collection point for the medic, you know, the things that people on the ground need to know, but does it really matter to you, like the actual elements of the crime and all of the applicable evidence if you are executing just the arrest or the warrant? No, and that was really the uh, problem that I had. I said, look, I took everything they did in good faith. And then after the fact, because I'm a professional and I paid attention to a high profile case in the news and it became very clear to me that those guys who were subject in that case were entrapped. Uh, I formulated that opinion, and I think it kind of shaped my approach to January 6th somewhat, uh, which was also a point of contention um, from uh, the supervisors that, that was at the table. Uh, we'll call him SSA Tim. That's all I got, Tim. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he asked me if I was an attorney because uh, I had an, a legal opinion, and then I obviously needed to have a, a law degree in order to formulate that. I couldn't just formulate that from publicly available information. Uh I was respectful. You know, I really wanted to say, like, I don't need to be a world expert chef to say that chicken salad tastes like chicken shit. But, uh, you know, you didn't I, drop that on them because that's a no. pretty good line. That's pretty fantastic <laughs> stuff. Um, so just to clarify, are you a lawyer? I'm not a lawyer. No. I, uh, Do just, you work uh, with the law? Have you worked with the law for whatever, a decade and change? <laughs> I, I believe so. I think it's uh, well. This point, if you count my suspended time, I'm, I'm on lucky number thirteen years. So wonderful. Yeah, I like that you crossed over your anniversary just like I did during that time. <laughs> um, on a scale of one to ten, first of all, how many how many criminal interviews do you think you've conducted with criminal subjects? With criminal subjects, uh, probably in the area of two hundred plus. Okay, uh, people that you believe have committed a crime that you are trying to either get them to admit to the details of or confess to. Correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, and how good would you say the people were that were interviewing you, Tim and what was it, Taylor and whatever the, there was a lady, how good are they on a scale of one to 10? Would they make it in Indian country? Uh, no, no, which is probably pretty low hanging fruit. Uh, I mean, you have to have more than just the, I'm going to get you to agree to my premise and continue doing it over and over again. And then go back to the fail safe of, well, before you said this, and now you're saying that. And when I look back at you and said, that's not what I said, you, you kind of are all out of ammunition at that point. That's it. Yeah. You're empty guns. Um, at one point you said something to the effect, I think the way you related to me, cause I don't have it in my notes, but I know it's funny. You said like, as a matter of fact, and the guy said, is that a fact? That's he cited he, a, uh... he was going to get you on a, on a false <laughs> statement because you claimed a, a, a fact on a turn of phrase. Yes, yeah, it was a turn of phrase from one of the columns I had written, or I believe it was a, a comment that I made in, in the media. And yes, I'd said, you know, the fact of the matter is, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, well, you are now 
expressing an opinion as a fact. And people are going to take that opinion as a fact because you're a special agent. And so you're asserting your opinion as a fact. And that's uh, a, a no, a no, no for email. Yeah. So hopefully they come after you. That's fun. Um, all right. So we, they got into classification. Obviously this, this goal was to jam you up. SecD people, you want to jam up my friend Steve. The problem is, is you didn't bring the goods and you didn't have the goods because he hasn't done anything wrong. So shame on you. And uh, as you did that, one of the things they did was they talked about the Diog and our FBI employee handbook, and they talked about sensitivity, and they brought up, for some reason, why you had um, what we call candy stripes. For people who have never seen an FBI access badge, it's got your photo, uh, it's got like a little chip, you know, like any other thing, and then it's got these like little like, you know, like candy stripes, they're red and white, and they indicate that you hold the SCI designation in addition to the top secret clearance that everybody has. You had some SCI stripes. And they thought that was like a reason to jam you up for some reason. How does that work? Yes, yes. I mean, when we got into the classification, they were kind of asking me questions, and I was like, "Hey guys, like I'm really a little bit out of my depth on the classification. I know that exists. We get annual training on it. Uh, but you know, truth be told, I don't really delve into anything other than unclassified." And they said, "Well, what kind of clearance do you have?" I said, "I have TS SCI." Well, what does that mean? I said, "It's what the guys told me when I showed up to my new office. They said you're the FNG." You have to have the candy stripes because that'll compel you to have to participate in a polygraph. And uh, and now whenever the alarm goes off in the skiff, you're the one that has to go turn it off, which is the only times I ever went into a skiff in my career. Yes, because <laughs> when somebody screwed up, then that's uh, that's why, of course. Um, and they actually they, laughed. Sekti actually laughed when I said that. Two of them, uh, not Wiley, because I don't think he understood jokes. They were in right. English. Uh, but the other two actually laughed. It's troubling, but it's uh, par for the course. And that is the most true thing you could say is just like, why you have this thing? Because nobody else wanted to have this thing. Yeah. Y yes, exactly. I mean, it, it just, it's totally believable. And I mean, it, it, and it's it, a burden. It, it is a burden to maintain a, an SCI clearance or the SCI I, compartment if you don't need it. I, when I had to go do the polygraph for it, the guy asked me, he said, you work Indian country. What do you want this? And I said, somebody in my office has to be able to turn the alarm off in the skiff so i have to do it and someone's he, got to do it yeah he gave me the uh the polygraph i mean and he did it you yeah. know what's fun is that uh i had a, a funny experience where when i got to albuquerque i said i don't want that i don't want to deal with it anymore please read me out i haven't used it in three years because i was on a surveillance team and you can't take anything that's ts or sei into the field that's absurd so yeah so they were like okay yeah so they read me out and then as a final, not punishment, as adjudicated by this OPR group and the other clowns that, and EEO, I was transferred to a national security squad where I wasn't even allowed to go into the skiff without like someone holding my hand. I needed an escort to go do the job in the skiff. And then they just went ahead and just didn't assign me any cases. But uh, it's always good to like get rid of the candy stripes if you don't need them. But you maintain them all the way through. <laughs> all the way through. Can and, you... and who knew that was a liability for you? <laughs> Can you please explain to me what reading me out is? That's a very Hollywood term to me, and I don't exist in that world. Uh, can you explain that? What is yes, that? They just uh, they just tell you, here are the things that you learned that you don't get to talk <laughs> about anymore. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a non-disclosure. They keep it fresh in your mind, so it'll just be that much more yeah, tempting. Yeah, they refresh to share that, that you have a non-disclosure agreement that you're not going to you know divulge national security stuff, and then you sign that you knew those things, but now you don't have a reason to know them anymore. And it's nonsensical. Yeah, you get read into a program, you get read out of a program. Uh, they never get in there and work with the wetware inside your brain. No. So it's always no still men there. in black, no men in black, little flash. No, there's no flashy that I recall. But then again, if they did it, if would you I remember? remember? I wouldn't remember. <laughs> I remember getting read out. So I'm pretty sure they didn't do that. Uh, truly silliness. 
let's uh let's move on to point number four which i think is one of my favorite are you an agent of the russian government is that a possibility and can you explain why they might think that uh well righteously they they were very upset that i'd uh, spoken to sputnik news which they might not have been aware of without the kyle seraphin show discussion that happened last week yeah sorry about that i may or may not have outed you that you spoke to sputnik news which but, is also uh, very funny but I explained to them, I was like, look, the guy reached out to me directly. He asked me three questions. I gave him three answers and he did an article and sent me the link to the article actually, which to his credit, I thought was a tremendously fair, one of the more fair articles that I've seen. And you know, they were you aware that's a Russian propaganda outlet? I said, yeah, but I have a you know permission to speak to the media. And, um, and that was news to them as well. Uh, but I think the the point of am Phil, I Phil threw his head back in laughter. By the way, for pe- people who can't see that, that that caught Phil, and also he should have known, he should have <laughs> known that. But I like that he's surprised. I don't know why I'm not comfortable with my microphone position, but I'm not. Um, they didn't know that you could speak to the media, mm-hmm. and they wanted to let you know about the Russian propaganda article that wrote the fairest article, one of the fairer things that has ever quoted you, probably. Yes, I mean they just straight copy and pasted uh, my comments in their full, and I checked to make sure because if they'd taken me out of context, then it would have been something that I would have deemed, uh, "Hey, I'm going to report this because you know of the source." But I thought, well, like I just honestly just copied and pasted, and he's making, you know, he's breaking news however he wants to. Yeah, uh, but but they uh, outside of Sputnik, they said that I appeared on Russian t- Russia Today. Have you appeared on Russian Today? Um, not firsthand, which was, again, a surprise to them. I said, uh, Russia Today may have grabbed a clip off the Kyle Zarefin show or, you know, one other national news appearance or another that I've made in the last few months and just played that clip. Uh, and uh, and Wiley was adamant that he would bring in the video for me and show yeah. me and show me how I talked to Russia Today. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. But at that point, uh, SSA Tim said, no, he's, he's probably right on that one. We should probably move on. They probably just grabbed a clip of him talking to American media. <laughs> the best is that they didn't have that. Um, they didn't have that sort of ability to discern what they were looking at when they looked at it, and just immediately assumed that the Russian anchor who never spoke to you and never asked you a question um, might have had you on. I think that's really fun. It just tells you the prowess of the sort of what we would call. So Phil introduced me to this term, but midwit is my favorite. You know, dimwits are people that are at the bottom end of the intelligence spectrum. Uh, I don't know. What's a high end operator? Genius. Uh, I don't know. Midwit maybe. is somebody sitting right there at the middle bottom that is uh, fully capable of a government job and, uh, and you know, occupies a space and checks a box, but doesn't actually bring any ability for like critical thinking or discernment. And that is the world we're living in right now. Uh I, I want to tell had, you something. Yeah, fire I, away. Had, I had the image in my head when they were talking about Russia today, where it was like I think it was Ali Beth Stucky did the interview, quote unquote, with uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, where she took yes. everything and right, right, very obviously out of context. Like if there was a clock behind me, it would have been jumping fifteen minutes up and forty five minutes back. That's right. <laughs> That's probably what it looked like. Yeah, I have to imagine so. So um, this is funny. And I did have a whole rant set up about this, but now I got to go find the, the FBI director's thing. Phil, can you bring up the Daily Wire uh, article that went out um, with Chris Ray's jet situation? Yep. So I just want people to kind of be aware. First of all, I spoke with a reporter named Brandon Dre. Uh, you and I were talking about that this was coming out. We've The suspendables have been eagerly awaiting this story. And the story is essentially that Chris Ray um, calls the FBI's jet to come land at Reagan National in order to skip the traffic on I-66, which is admittedly horrible during commute hours. Um, but that doesn't excuse you from sitting in the back of an armored 
you know, suburban and riding out with your three vehicle convoy, which I think you and I have bitched about a little bit. Um, the, after they released the story and the reporter and I are in solid contact, um, which I'm going to identify for SECTI that I'm a member of the the news media at this point. So please send me, send me sensitive investigative matter me immediately and restrict my file. Um, <laughs> I think it would be very difficult for them to argue otherwise, especially if Russia today has my footage, which would be really good. Uh, so the daily wire printed their thing. And they basically said that the FBI's press office denied that that's the way that Chris Ray uses the jet, but they didn't quote the FBI because they're the daily wire. They're not the FBI and they're not required to put out propaganda mouthpiece stuff from the government. And they reached out, the FBI reached out to daily wire and this reporter and complained and whined that their full statement was not quoted. Um, because the FBI thinks that they should be able to tell the press how to run their, their show. And, you know, it's fun. You wrote an article the other day about the third amendment. This brings us back to the first amendment and the FBI's ability to step on your first amendment rights, or at least their belief that they're entitled to. And I just think that sort of moxie should not be lost on people. And I, I think that also is something that uh, I brought to SECTI's uh, attention with, as far as the FBI's interaction with the media on both of our accounts. And right. Uh, oh yeah. Hit that up too. Cause like, I know that's part of it. So that's number nine. <laughs> we'll yeah. Just yeah. That it. was at the, on the way out. They were asking me, is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about? And I said, well, yes, I would. I would like to talk about the FBI. And I think I, I, I believe I said you, you know, because it's just, you know, it's the death. Yeah, star, the, so the it's generic. all you. Yeah. You're said, all part you, of it. You, you released my, my vaccination status to the New York times as well as a absurd accusation that I was involved in a disciplinary matter where I was shooting my FBI pistol in my backyard, which, which by the way, would be hilariously false. Uh, but I said, but, uh, but that's private medical information. And they said, well, we don't have your vaccination status. Well, we, we couldn't do that. And I said, I know you couldn't, but I believe the FBI did. And that seems like a security breach. And as security division, you should probably get on that. Yes. Consider this my report of the security problem you have with my medical records, which are now yeah. at the New York Times. Go do an investigation, clowns. Um, so trash. Uh, also, in uh, the First Amendment vein, they didn't like your OPR files. Tell people that don't listen to our show that are just tuning in for the first time what the OPR files are and why the FBI wouldn't like it. Yes, I um, uh, is part of the packet of information that my attorney requested. Uh, he background information about the discipline process. Uh, I thought it was prudent to get the last five years of of OPR quarterlies, which is a quarterly email that we get that shows examples of OPR violations and you know the the rules that, that were violated and a synopsis of what happened and the penalty that was meted out. And uh, I thought that that was a good rubric for, you know, is there anything in here that's comparable to what I have? So that way there's a precedent and I could say, hey, you gave this guy two weeks you know, I should get something in that area. I shouldn't be getting 131 days at this point. And that's where you're uh, at. Yes. So I, um, I have that. And then uh, at a certain point here in my frustration of continuing to climb the the total number of suspended days uh, made the decision that I'm going to release one OPR incident per day on social media because they're anonymous. Nobody's is called out by name. Right. Um, they're not uh, jeopardizing investigations or anything like that. And I believe in radical transparency is warranted if the FBI is going to reform itself and people are on the public dime, dole, and uh, they should be held to account for that, or at least their actions should be uh, a matter of public uh, knowledge. So I've been putting that out and uh, I believe that is a uh, the crown jewel to to SECTI and to the FBI. I think they're very upset with that because there's been some some quite embarrassing things that are included in the OPR quarterly. 
Now, what is the classification of these OPR documents? These were coming out on what sort of email system? Uh, the they come out on the high side. Red Do they side. really? Yeah, that's even funnier. And they are yes. and they are marked what? They are marked unclassified, unclassified, um, and they are for not for public dissemination. Right. What what is the, the classification? Bottom. Phil, you worked uh, for the FBI for fifteen years. Do you know what the not for public dissemination uh, markings is? That a real marking that has a government uh, meaning? This is the first I'm hearing about it. Honestly, yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing that, Steve. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this is not F O U O, which would be for official use only. This is not law enforcement sensitive. This is don't give this to the media because it's really freaking embarrassing to us. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Okay. And not actually, not all of them had that on there. Uh, most of them did, but there were a couple that didn't. That I, I noted. I was like, well, I guess this one's not particularly egregious, so they didn't uh, copy and paste it. No, these are government employees, and they're not particularly talented at doing their own jobs. That's. Mm -hmm. I mean, you met the people that are involved in the investigation. And do you think the people that type up the uh, the summaries of their investigations are equally talented or less talented? It's a close one, but uh, yeah, there's enough typos. It's probably less. They're probably like middle midwits. Middle midwits. <laughs> yes. Sub midwit. Sub midwit. Better. I better. think that's more accurate. It's uh, <laughs> Phil shaking his head. Uh, just he never ceases to have... Uh, a day without a new disappointment in the FBI. So that's always fun. All right. So the OPR files have been out there and they thought they got you. This was the yeah. crown jewel of their uh, their problems with you. I, I think it's the crown jewel of just their anger and their angst about it. Um, and they you know, were talking about how I had had this. And I said, look, I, I have it on a hard drive. Um, I don't have it in a cloud anywhere, but even if it was, like, I don't particularly see the problem with that. But when I've been putting it out on social media, I've been putting it on Truth Social and on Twitter every day with an installment. And that was uh, that got Wiley a little spun up because he said that, are you aware that Twitter has that on a cloud? And that could be hacked. Yes. And but, what do we think about the FBI letting uh, all of our medical records and personnel fires being uh, you know, hacked on an unclassified cloud by the Chinese? Are they good with that too? Or they're just worried about Twitter, an open public facing website yes, that has they, zero zero bar to access you don't even need an account to get on no you don't you you could just look at uh real steve friend and see the, the opr installment every day shameless and plug do it yes well you have to look directly because it's still uh search banned on twitter so definitely need to look directly at my uh, at my page and there may or may not be fbi personnel involved in your search ban at twitter which is amazing <laughs> as long as it's they true. follow we, we, yeah we've confirmed that so yes um, so yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I, there's nothing that could be gained from hacking the the OPR files. Uh, other well, they than could find the out OPRs where you were. Say. Yeah, they could find your IP address and where you were posting it from. Sure, Daytona right. Beach, Florida. Ormond Beach is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Daytona. Yeah, I'm in Port Orange. Yeah, Port Orange, so just outside. Mm -hmm. Winning. Um, that was number fourteen. We jumped ahead. Let's go to number six. Apparently, the security division watches our show. And they're big fans. Tell me more. I need to hear from our fans. Yes, yes. They were talking about, you know, appearances that I've made. It was sort of derivative off of the Russia Today. And I said, you know, what what foreign entities have you talked to? I said, well, I talked to Epic Times. I believe that's owned by a Taiwanese company. But, you know, head, head explodes. They were just like, oh, it didn't even occurred to them. And, uh, you know, said, well, I've talked to Jesse Kelly on national radio. I've talked to Glenn Beck and actually gone and visited with the man. I mean, he's kind of a big deal. And is it, and the Kyle Seraphin show, we're all really big fans here. 
<laughs> so is sarcasm considered professional conduct in an interview i that's not? i i have to question that i think that that should be maybe the next opr installment installment 56 but i don't know if it'll get here in time but i believe being unprofessional in a super serious sec d interview with a employee who's probably inciting violence as we'll learn later yes um you probably need to keep your composure but instead he, he chose to break down and be a little bit sarcastic or maybe he just is a fan i mean we, we have had uh, quite a number of five-star reviews coming in so maybe ssa tim is is leave a comment tim feel free uh we'll read it on the air you can let <laughs> no, us know no profanity though this is a family show this is a family show. It's safe for work. I want people uh, in the Atlanta field office who have told us, the Boston field office that listen, the uh, the Albuquerque division. I want these people to be able to watch this at work if they need to. Um, it shouldn't just be for the Jacksonville. It shouldn't <laughs> just be for uh, you know time on surveillance when they're you know, away from the subject and off the eye. So uh, that being said, Tell me about your rhetorical uh, confusion. Are you rhetorically confused? I, I, I definitely Wiley was. I mean, it is in English. Uh, but b- before I say that, <laughs> can we get jobs at SecD? Because I would love to listen to the Kyle Surfing show as part of my job. Yeah. Just, they're just having, saying. They're, like, are, the question is this. I told them we were going to live stream this, and then uh, I failed to do it. But I'm wondering if they're like out there waiting and earning AVP. Uh, <laughs> just waiting for the live stream that never comes. <laughs> They're so, approved for overtime, man. Uh, are they but, really? Do they get approved for overtime? Oh, I'm sure they did for this. This is a national security. This is a big deal. Yeah, this is Steve Friend. Um, so, Phil, yeah, are so, you able to are you able to bring up the uh, the terms of service is not an iPhone user agreement uh, article real quick? And maybe it's we the can last scan paragraph. So there you go. Yep. The last paragraph. Um, so uh, Wiley initiated a question. He said, did you alter in in a column entitled the FBI oath of office is not an iPhone user agreement. Did you alter the following phrase? Uh, and it, this is a rhetorical call to arms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and did I was very- alt- what, do, what do you mean? Did you alter? Correct. That's that's what my response was. I believe I said, can you ask it in a different way? I don't know what you mean. And he said, well, did you write this? And I said, oh, you mean author, author. So apparently <laughs> he didn't write his own questions that he was that's asking. Right. It's probably yes. an intelligence analyst probably wrote those questions. It's a request for a collection, I'm sure. Yeah, get him uh, on this. And uh, I said, well, I, I wrote them. And he said, well, you, you call to arms. That's, that's in, an incitement of violence. That could cause people to become violent. And I said, no, it's a it's a turn of phrase. And I, I literally used the word rhetorical before I said call to arms, which is doubly called a phrase. And uh, he just kept, it's arms, arms, arms. You really don't think that that will incite anybody? And I laughed and I said, no, and I think you're stretching really hard to pull me out of context right now. Well said. Yeah. Um, so we'll just go ahead and go on the record and say that the Kyle Serafin show does not advocate violence against the FBI. But we do advocate ridicule because it's a ridiculous place. And it hires ridiculous people to talk to people that are serious, like my friend Steve. Steve, thanks for continuing to share all this stuff. Um, You mentioned that they didn't know that you had permission to speak to the media. How is it possible in a government entity that is the premier law enforcement organization in the world, self-proclaimed, how do they uh, not know what the the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing? How's that? Can you imagine that? Uh, I, and I'm even more floored by the fact that they asked me for a copy of it. They want me to dig through my Gmail and yeah. give it to them. And they, and they and they made you keep your phone out of the office. I'm sure they didn't let you bring it in. 
Correct. Yeah, I couldn't do that. And I mean, and there was a couple of times where they asked me, do, do you still have that email? And I was like, no, I don't have access to my FBI email. I assume you do, though. Um, so I'm not going to be able to help you. Could they confirm or deny access to your email? I don't think that they would confirm that. I, I would. It would be a stretch to me that to conclude that they would know what to do. I mean, they would have to be leaning on the IT folks from the FBI. And if it's not control, alt, delete, turn it off, turn it back on, like they can't help you very much. They are very good at, at uh, accidentally encrypting <laughs> laptops from people who they uh, they take as evidence, though, as, as Amy told us. Yes, that's so true. Um, do you know what the unofficial model of the FBI IT department is? Yesterday's technology tomorrow. It is universal across the Bureau, folks. Yesterday's <laughs> technology tomorrow. Just think about it for a minute till your head hurts and then be glad that you don't work for the federal government. Unless you do, my friends at the FBI and SECD, you are just a disgrace. So let's talk about why someone who is facing um, sort of adversarial actions, uh, uh, a request to do soul searching and a, a deep need to obey the FBI's management chain that doesn't really feel like doing such things if they violate the constitution, why would someone like that be looking for outside employment? Apparently they had a problem with you talking about doing law enforcement. Yes. Yes. They said, is it true that you were seeking employment with the sheriff's office? And I said, yes. And they were just perplexed by that. And I said, well, I, I really want, I was given sort of a, a promise that after some time doing patrol that I would be allowed to do investigations onto child pornography and child sexual abuse material, which was to me real law enforcement, which is why I transferred to Daytona Beach. <laughs> and uh, I mean, look, in their defense, they, they couldn't ever fathom leaving their cush job for something else to do real work. I mean, as you can be overpaid and underworked to the FBI for 20 long- years. And then catch a good pension for it. Yes. Yes. Well, um, so. Not not to stray too far off the thing, but how do you feel about the story about Charles McGonagall? It's in the news right now. I just did a space about it. Um, receiving um, th- at least three documented transactions of eighty, sixty-five, and eighty thousand dollars, respectively, cash in brown paper bags. Is that how you would expect uh, that would go for an SAC in New York? Is that is that sound like a legitimate FBI operation? You, you Compensation. Know- I mean, it, it, as long as they uh, they they check the box on meeting certain amounts of disruption statistics, that I don't right. think they particularly care about how the, those SES bonuses funds flow to them if it's cash or electronic transfer, Bitcoin, whatever. Handed over in brown paper sacks from Albanians, no big deal, right? Yes, seems reasonable. Um, when you're in Florida, are you beholden to state laws as a uh, as an FBI agent for your normal operations? Is that part of the uh, as a citizen or as a law enforcement officer because when you were with the FBI when you were no when you were not indefinitely suspended forever were you beholden to state law or did you operate under federal authorities federal authority okay yeah. and and Florida though for other purposes is a two-party consent state yes yeah. so therefore you were guilty apparently by uh, of a felony of recording your your supervisors who were telling you things that uh, I think people are going to look forward to reading in your book. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I when I had my meeting with them and, and essentially made another protected disclosure. Um, I wanted to have a recording to memorialize that for twofold. Uh, one, because you know, I want to CYA um, having this really big, important discussion for my career. But uh, also I truly believe that the executive management, the Jacksonville field office is engaging in a civil rights crime. Uh, so 
in that capacity, I that thought that that was very, very important to have that recorded. Um, and uh, that two party thing goes away if you're acting in a law enforcement capacity. Hmm. So, so, so it's almost like you know what the state law is in the state that you were living, and then you were operating within it, regardless of whether you were a federal or just a regular guy. Contrary to what SECD um, thinks, um, I actually took my job very seriously enough to to inform myself on state law in addition to federal law to make sure that I was good. And I actually even had a discussion with a uh, state certified law enforcement officer as if it was kosher. So, I, you know, I, I did my homework on that, and which is, you know, also kind of jives with why I paid attention to the Whitmer case, because I take an interest in in, in my profession. It's but, weird uh, that you do that. And then they wanted to know if you got what you wanted. How do you even respond to a question like that? Um, the way I should as a professional, I said, I don't want anything. I'm a fact finder. Uh, I, I went in there and did I get what I wanted? Like, you mean a recording that plays? Yeah, I got that. But uh, <laughs> they they said what they said. It's that that's how it went. I, I didn't have a rooting interest in it. Um, if if I was under the uh, suspicion that they might be willing participants in a civil rights crime, um, yeah, I think they did. I think they did give me some evidence of it. Interesting. Um, certainly, they gave me some evidence of of corruption and incompetence and uh, and just negligence. Wonderful. Um, and what were their faces like when you said I got a recording? <laughs> well, they came in. I think that they believed I did to begin with. I mean, they were very, so you got a recording of that, right? Right. And I just stared right at them. Yes. I think they were surprised that I agreed to that premise because that was sort of the, uh, the, the pushback on them on everything because of all the other premises that they laid out were ridiculous and absurd, but I was not going to get myself set up for a process crime where I lied to a federal agent. Uh, so I was honest and forthright. And uh, when I said, yes, I did, and why I did it, they were not believing that I was acting in any sort of law enforcement capacity, uh, that I was just trying to obviously dig up more dirt like the OPR files. Um, but uh, right. the OPR files tell you like those people did the wrong thing, me shining a spotlight on it is not wrong. That's not how it works. Um, that's pretty funny. I, I'm just troubled that these people are in charge of meeting out justice. There's a reason why they didn't find anything uh, when I made an allegation that my supervisor might have done something that was just, you know, an abuse of his authority. And uh, that would have involved work. And uh, probably is too difficult for people who are full midwits. Um, you had a similar experience. It sounded like, because I, I talked to somebody from that from the inspection division, which is a related division. And mm -hmm. she kept hammering home that, um, I wasn't helping myself. Yes. Were these yes, people that... counseling? Were they counseling you? Is that what they get paid to do? Are they, do they have a, a degree for that sort of, uh, that I sort don't of clinical know, work? but it was very thick. I, I, I just, I, I tried not to be snarky and, and, you know, I, I probably did better than you would have, but it was very hard <laughs> to, not, <laughs> to, to not look at the, at SSAT Tim every time where he would, Give me an admonishment and give me this this nod with his head and his tilted to the side and his eyeballs popping out. And to just be like, you know what, dad, you're right. And and then the, the female, thanks, mom. Thanks, big sis. You know, I, I've seen the light on this one. Do they think that I would agree to that and then what and just be welcomed back into the fold? <laughs> like I've gotten that for 131 days. And uh they they think that uh I'm just doing this for for kicks. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm glad you took the bullet on that one that you, the, the, the rhetorical bullet, the metaphorical bullet, just so nobody thinks there's actual violence. But, um, I think you're correct. Like 
I'm sitting at 280 and change. And uh, I feel strongly about headbutts for people that say really dumb things in my presence at this point. So a Zoom call would be better. Um, that would be much safer for everybody. It's uh, it's interesting. So you you got to wrap this whole thing up. That was obviously a very wonderful and charming and kumbaya experience that you had with these clowns. And then not, not what, a few minutes after you got home, you got a, a really nice uh, package in the mail from them that shared exactly what they thought about you? Oh, no, I got an email this morning, uh, like right after uh, work hours began when I was at the airport at Reagan. So you were uh, still in DC, you're on your way home and they decided to hit you with something. Yeah. Okay. Was, that's when I, I got the uh, notification from the inspecting division uh, of that they're going to be opening an investigation of me for the exact same thing. Uh, but again, it's another hand on this this octopus hydra body that's going to be continuing to do it. Um, and uh, the investigation was opened on January 13th, but they saw fit, even though it's independent, completely you know, Obviously. apart from SECD, um, that at the first available moment on the very first day after SECD had done its last investigative action, uh, that they then notified me of it two weeks in arrears. Two weeks in arrears, they notified you. This is what is commonly known in the FBI as getting an OPR or having OPR files on you or whatever they call. So this is the inspection division that does internal affairs investigations. That's what their purpose is. And they're investigating you for what? Uh, for insubordination. Yes. Pertaining to January 6th, which again, I explained to SEC D. Um, I actually didn't do. I uh, was told not to come to work and I complied with that directive. You actually so... followed the order they gave you. Yes. And uh, and then also for unauthorized releases to the media, which again, um, maybe they're not communicating with the pre-publication review office, which granted me access to speak out uh, with regard to the details of my whistleblower complaint. And if anybody wants to ask me for my opinion, I am a uh, American with the First Amendment and I can uh, give that. And you have been released from all your duties and responsibilities and you are no longer able to call your FBI agent. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And then my bank account would would agree that I'm not getting Department of Agriculture deposits. Should we just talk about anymore. that for a second? Because that's funny. Yes, I, I didn't even yes. I don't have it on my list, but it's funny. Uh people don't realize this, but like as Steve just said, why why do they pay us from the Department of Agriculture? Because we're secret agents, man. Oh, we're secret. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> when I first got that, I was like, man, is that a real deal? Is like is there a reason for this? And I, so and I wonder did I. If, was was there a reason that they did that back in the day, Phil? Is there you know any backstory? No, but I thought it was weird too. Yeah, it's probably. I think, like I think it's probably got a paycheck, a physical paycheck, and yeah. and probably you know was like the, the paychecks at those days. They were probably given to them in the FBI office, but you know what if you left it out on your car seat or something? And well, you had to go take it to your bank, and you don't want your banker to know where you work because exactly. you're a secret agent. Yes. Yeah. Cause they don't, they definitely don't ask for your W2 or your your profession when you open up a bank account, which says that you work for the FBI and that or you you're to lying to get, yeah. to get or a, you're bank lying in a bank account. And now you're possibly guilty of mortgage fraud, which the FBI investigates. <laughs> There's something so stupid there. All right. Uh, the bonus was you got to bring an attorney with you to this meeting. Yes. Yes, only go? to observe. And that was that was laid out for me to begin with. Um, he at, at one point when they jumped down my throat, um, when he cleared his throat, uh, they were basically said that you are not here, sir. You are not here. Uh, uh, that's what Wiley was very very adamant but, about. But was he was he there? He, he was actually sitting there. I could have could have touched him. Was but, that a false uh, statement? <laughs> 
So at two points, uh, once was honestly when when Wiley was not understanding what I was saying, I, my my lawyer tried to pipe in to I guess clarify it or stay, say it a different way, and and that made Wiley very upset. And he said that if there was another input from my attorney at that point, then uh, the interview would be over, and uh, it would be as if I. Uh, refused to participate with a SECD interview compelled. Yeah. Interview. You should have just done that anyway, by the way, because these clowns are not worth talking to, but you did and not, you, you gave no. them the courtesy. And then he and said, the second time, <laughs> second time they asked for a date. Um, and I can't remember what it was regard to. And I just, I knew it was like in October or November, but I, I knew my attorney would have that at his fingertips. And I turned over, I said, Hey, do you remember the date? And again, if he responds, then <laughs> It's like, well, I don't know. I'm trying to give you the information. I'm trying to be honest. They said, well, they just That's say you don't know. It's like, uh, okay, I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, but moreover, exactly. I don't care now. Now I stopped caring. No, no, I don't care. Um, and uh, I don't have a law degree. Um, so- I'm, and you're I not leaking not and you're not you're not a Russian asset and you're not leaking uh, information to the media without permission. What do you think the- uh, what do you think the decision is going to be coming out of this interview? Are they going to restore your security clearance? Man, I, uh, I, hoping against hope and crossing all my toes and all my fingers. Uh, but the way that SSA Tim left it, it's the decisions not in his hands, but I'm right. not doing myself very many favors. And for those listening, I am cocking my head to the side and looking up um, with my uh, bulging puppy dog eyes as uh, SSA Tim was wont to do. Um, and, uh, he said that I'm not doing any favors, much like your your gal told you. And uh, that she another, told me to stop moving. I don't know what she thought moving, I was. Stop I don't know if she could see me while Every, she was talking to me, but I was squirming uncomfortably because she kept speaking and trying to counsel me, which is awkward <laughs> for someone I've never met. But apparently, another squad then looks at their work. Well, I'm sure with all you know, all due regard and, and honesty, and then they make a recommendation to a committee. And my attorneys informed me that that committee has not convened for some period of four to five years. So it's essentially secti purgatory where you sit. So you could be in indefinitely suspended for as long as you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they they were concerned that I could seek outside employment. Did I have the paperwork? I said yes. I have the paperwork to get paid. Did you tell um, them whether you give any rats butts about it? I'm trying to say this nicely. Um, no, um, but I, I did uh, say that I need you to give me my records so that I could get a you know, a license to have it be a statewide carry of a firearm in the state of Florida. That would yep. be good for me for career or for just you know my Second Amendment. Right. And they and they were very adamant that there's a FOIA process for prior employees. Which was news to me because I've been told that I am an FBI employee. I've been told that as well, even though nobody believes him because it's absurd. But yes. uh, I have also and, been told that. And the Privacy Act um, actually says that they must furnish me those documents by law. So I don't know yes. uh, why they're departing from that. But I maybe because they don't why. care about the law, because the FBI doesn't care about what the law is. That seems to be accurate. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's a really fun experience to have. I just want people to know what it's like. Let me just ask you this. At any point during any of these things, did they ask how you were doing for money, how your family was doing, or treat you as the quote unquote member of the FBI family that you are so obviously a member of? No, no. They uh the only thing that was personal, because I was ready for him to ask me that question. And I could just say, like, is this part of a security division interview? You know, just drop it and just really set the tone. But no, they didn't actually even ask me a personal question until the end where they said, Where are you from? Oh. <laughs> 
that's personnel matters. So I would have said the United States of America. That's just right. like Colonel James Braddock, a holes, um, <laughs> which is my new favorite thing to tell people stuff. I just make up things. I'm going to switch over here a little bit. Can you, can you, you uh, full size yeah. that and read and you want to give me a readout? Yeah. This is our crime uh, and punishment. I already know what the penalty is. I just think it's fun to talk about this. This is today's OPR file. So a shameless plug. If you're not following Steve on Twitter, please do so at real Steve friend. And if it's on true social, it's going to be real underscore because he wants to challenge you. Uh, if you're listening to this, check him out. Follow this hashtag OPR files, rock and roll. Go ahead. Yeah. If you're a midwit, you're going to struggle with that one. Um, yes. But yeah, and I pro- as I promised, Secti, uh, I would be releasing the next installment today. So I am a man of my word. I did not lie to a federal agent. Uh, employees stole approximately $700 from the office's recreation fund kept in a supervisor's desk drawer when initially questioned about the theft the employee denied it after repeated questioning employee finally admitted it this was the employee's second theft from the office fund in mitigation the employee had 10 years of fbi service and ungodly knows how many times that they stole from the from the fund that's Uh, right an excellent performance record if they're in sec d maybe uh and uh personal stressors and financial difficulties which again seems like a, a counterintelligence matter insider threat in yeah. aggravation employee betrayed trust of co-workers in the fbi this is a theft defense code um, and their penalty was dismissal from service and they called the police on this or we just said that's what happens when you steal 700 dollars. i mean it's it's de minimis for the fbi for the yeah have people gone to jail for stealing 700 dollars from say like a convenience store i i took several of them in my uniform police officer days isn't that weird? It's so strange. Yeah. We just we just are so gentle about that. Well, um, we can't do the guessing piece of it, but that is pretty much a good solid hour here with Steve Friend. I'm sorry for spoon feeding him this. We had a debrief a little bit earlier. I was going to just do this cold, but I couldn't wait, and I needed some information right away whether or not they were going to be knocking down his door. Do you have a? What do you think the over under is on on you uh, having a search warrant served at your house now that they know that the OPR files also available in the cloud on Twitter <laughs> might be also housed at your house. Vegas would not put that on the board for overall, mm. but uh, maybe by uh, by end of February, I would put it at uh, oh, even odds, May- maybe two to one. Ooh, that's ugly. Um, <laughs> well, we hope that that's not the case and um, pray that that is not the case. And um, man, thanks for joining me and sharing your story. I feel like it's cool for people to be able to see behind the curtain. There's a lot of awful things that go on. Phil, if you want to uh, plug some things, I will take your plugs. What do you got? Yeah, well, Nothing. of course, folks know the Give, Send, Go is still out there. Just had some uh, donations roll in, thanks to Callie. And uh, who else just donated? Anonymous, both you and everybody there's a, else. Under- there's a lot of really generous anonymous people out there, folks. I just want to say, I don't know all your names, but I'm very grateful. And we have been supporting our friend, G-O-B. Yeah, there's lots of reasons to be down. But when I go to the Give, Send, Go, it uh, really gives me a warm fuzzy knowing that there's still good patriots out there who actually care. Also, don't forget to give the Kyle Serafin show a five-star review on iTunes like Bill did, where he writes, exposing the underbelly of the FBI. Kyle, along with his suspendable cohort, Steve Friend, are putting sunshine on the inner workings of the FBI. And it's worse than even my jaded self imagined. You need to be supportive of Kyle and his outstanding pursuit of justice. I look forward to the new year and this show growing to the point that it cannot be ignored. So thanks to Bill for writing that. Also, Bill may have already gotten his wish. Just saying, if the uh, yeah. if the FBI is onto us, I mean, what's next? Well, and one more thing, 
thekyleserafinshow.com for all your suspendable merch. Go check it oh, out. Oh, yeah. Okay, so people, we have two funny things. First of all, uh, we're still figuring out how to use that store. I am, I'm not even sure that I'm actually... Other than they put my name on it, uh, I don't know where it goes. I don't know who it benefits. I'm sure it's one of the three of these people, and uh, it's somebody that I love. So you know, by all means. But uh, I actually just got a request from my old partner in uh, in Las Cruces, who said uh, I need to be able to get three suspendables black hoodies. This is happening. Uh, FBI agents wearing them on duty makes me makes me smile. That uh, and I know who they're going to. So that's all good stuff. Uh, they told me they listen to this uh, show sometimes on their on their uh, when they're sitting on surveillance. They do a lot of surveillance for drugs. So pretty amazing. There is one in there. If you haven't seen it, it's called the Zelensky special. I think it's called the Z special because we're a little bit uh, appropriate. But it says when you're begging for billions in front of Congress, you can wear this shirt. It has an upside down FBI badge with an S in it for suspendable. Um, we all collaborated on the on the design. Uh, our buddy went ahead and put it together. The back of it says, you know, the suspendables, which is our logo, which a lot looks a lot like the Godfather. Do you notice that? Yeah, it it's does. got kind of that sign. It's like layout and script, like the suspendables. In any case, uh, the other suspendables merch, they have the suspendables on the front with an American flag or you have them in solid colors. I think there's one or two options. And then the back has a mosquito, which Steve reminded us last time, but I'll have him do it again. The parable of the mosquito. The parable of the suspendable mosquito. Uh, you know, we are annoying. And we land on your face, and uh, that does a little bit of damage. But the real damage comes when you go to swat us away and you punch yourself in the jaw and knock yourself out, which the FBI uh, seems to do quite often. Yeah. Uh, we will keep you guys uh, in, aware of the number of suspendables. And honestly, anybody can be suspendable in your private life out there. Any of you that have drawn a line in the sand and refused to accept the status quo of garbage, that you will not take government tyranny and you will not allow them to push you or your company to push you under under the guise of uh, safety or security or anything else outside of your constitutionally protected rights, like you are suspendable. So you're part of us. We're one of you. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much, folks, for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Please like, share, and subscribe it, and uh, we will join you again on Friday for a, another fun interview. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin. 